Today's daf is daf Samach Dalid, page 64. And the Halakha Maseches Adarim, and we're starting the ninth parak. We're starting parak Rebbe Eliezer Oimer. Rebbe Eliezer says, all right, that is the name of the parak, and from here until the end of the Masechda, okay, from here to the end of the Masechda, we are going to focus primarily on the removal of vows. All right? Until now, we've been having a heavy focus on the creation of vows. Now we're going to focus on the removal of vows. Now, when it comes to removing vows, we'll get into this um, eventually uh, more at length. But there's two specific phrases that we need to uh, get comfortable with. One is, Hataras Nedarim. Hataras Nedarim is to remove all vows retroactively. There's something called Hafaras Nedarim. Hafaras Nedarim is to remove all vows from here on forth. Mikan Ulahaba. Okay? There's different ways that a vow can be removed retroactively. Hataras Nedarim. And there's ways that vows can be removed from here on forth. Keep in mind, it's not like a candy machine to just be able to remove a vow. Even though we learned previously that there's an obligation to remove a vow, there are parameters around the removal of the vow, and that's really what we're going to uh, focus on and get into. Zokt the Mishnah. Rebbe Eliezer, Rebbe Eliezer says, now keep in mind, Rebbe Eliezer came from Beis Shammai. There's a reason why we're mentioning this now. Rebbe Eliezer was a musmuch of Shammai's yeshiva. Here we go. Rebbe Eliezer says, Paischin adam aviv Incredible. You can open up a vow, which means allow somebody to remove their vow. This is called hafaras um, nedarim. I'm sorry, this is called Hataras Nadarim to nullify the vow through Aviv Ve'imai. Now, what does this mean? This is incredible. What this means is, the Mepharshim explained, when I'm stuck with a vow, I make a vow, whatever I say, you know what we say to him? Hey, buddy, if you don't follow through on the vow, do you know that not only looks bad on you, but it looks bad on your whole family? This is incredible. This is Mamish this week's Parsha. We spoke this out with Yemin Chamarev the other night. It's incredible. Yosef, one of the reasons why Yosef sent the Mitzrim out of the room is because if once the Mitzrim start looking negatively on the brothers for selling him, they're going to look negatively on Yosef himself, even though he himself is the victim. We say to the guy who wants to do a Taras Nadarim, we say, he says, listen, I, I want to nullify the vow. We say, if at the time that you took the vow, you, you would have known that... By not keeping the vow, it would look bad on your parents. Would you have made the vow? Rabbi Eliezer says, if he says that he wouldn't have made the vow out of his parents' honor, he doesn't want to hurt the family name, that's enough to nullify the vow. The Chachamim Aishim. Chacham say no. Chacham say no. We'll see why on Amud Beis. Chacham say out of, to say you want to remove the vow because it wouldn't give proper honor to your parents by not following through is not enough to do a Torah Stadarim. It's not enough to nullify the vow. 
Okay, not strong enough of a reason. Fine. Next, Omar of Tzadik. Rav Tzadik says, Ad she'poysen lo'i b'chvayid avevi'imoi, yiftichu lo'i b'chvayid amaka. You should know that the same way Rebbe Liezer holds that you could nullify a vow if the guy says, I wouldn't have made it had I known it would be disrespectful to my parents, we can also nullify a vow by, by the chacham, by the wise person who he comes to, saying to him, if you would have known that it would have brought a lack of kvayd shamayim, a lack of glory to God's name, would you have made the vow? If he says no, that's also enough to nullify the vow. In other words, Rav Tzadok puts the embarrassment of one's parents together with the embarrassment of God. Being embarrassed of one, the name of one's parents, being embarrassed of the name of God, and how beautiful and profound that we know, Kibbut Ava'in, the fifth of the Ten Commandments is on the right side of the Luchos, connected to all of the the, the first five commandments that are Ben Adam Lamakum, but man and God. All but man and God. And then, It seems it's interpersonal. No, the way you respect your parents, it's connected to how you respect Hashem, it's together. So it's on the right side, it's on the, the first side of the Luchas. The other side, the is don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, right? Don't be jealous. And don't testify falsely. Those are all interpersonal. So our Mishnah is letting us know that says Reb Tzadik, Kvayid of your parents is Kvayid Shemayim. We'll release a vow, we'll nullify a vow. If, you, if he says, I wouldn't have made the vow had I known it would have been uh, uh, you know, a lack of honor to Hashem. Says the Mishnah, to Reb Tzadik, in Cain, Rav Tzadik, if you would be correct that you could nullify vows by, it being, by being a lack of Kvayt Shemayim, Ein Nedarim, there's no way because then nobody's ever making a vow. Every time you make a vow, every time you make a vow, it could lead to a lack of Kvayt Shemayim. Now, we're going to try to explain what this means, why this is such a big deal, but that's how we'll understand it for now. So we have a machoikas as to whether Kvayt Shemayim is connected to Kvayt Avavi'imai or not. Whether it's a good nullification of a vow. Says the Mishnah Vaiter, Maidim Chon the Rebeliezer, the Chacham agreed to Rebeliezer when it comes to nullifying the vow, that is if only if the vow has an impact on his relationship with his parents. Meaning, he says to his parents, you never come into my house. Now he wants to nullify the vow. He comes to a chacham. Chacham says, hey, if you would have known it's a disgrace to your parents, would you have made it? He says, no. He says, yeah, I never would have made it. So then we'll release the vow. But if it's a random vow, the guy made a vow, I'm never eating meat. As I do with his parents. And he goes to a chacham, say the chachamim, we're not going to release your vow by asking you, well, if you would have known it's a disgrace to your parents. No. The, the chacham will agree, however, you can nullify a vow if it's connected to the honor of your parents. Why? Because the vow will directly impact the honor of his parents. Okay. That is what we'll call the Rasha of the Mishnah. That halacha has to do with the first half of the Mishnah, the nullification of vows, the machlekes between Rabbi Yezer and the Chacham. Here we go. And furthermore, another halacha. 
Amar Rebbe Leizer, Rebbe Leizer says, Paischen b'noilad v'chachamim aishim. Rebbe Leizer says, we will allow a vow to be removed by something that is nailad, by something that's born later on after the vow, if something happens later on. But the Chum argue, what does that mean? Ketzad, what are we talking about? For example, Omar, a guy says, <laughs> A guy says, this guy, uh, I'm, uh, Reuven says, I'm never benefiting from Shimon. And guess what happens? Shimon now becomes a cipher. He becomes a scribe. And Reuven wants a safer Torah written. He wants a mezuzah written. See, at the time that he said, I'm never taking, I'm never going to benefit from Shimon. You know, he, uh, uh, Shimon didn't offer him anything. He didn't offer him anything. Now Shimon has something to offer. Yeah. For the, the joke they say is there's a guy in, uh, the, uh, in communist Russia. There's a kid in communist Russia. And there were uh, officers coming around to all the day schools to get the kids, you know, to serve Mother Russia. So officer walks into the room and he says to the Jewish kid in the back, he says, um, if, you, um, if you had a land, if you had land, you have land, who would you give the land to? The kid says, I'd give it all to Mother Russia. He says, if you have a boat, who gets the boat? His kid says, Mother Russia. He says, if you had a coat, the kid says, Mother Russia. This officer is very impressed. He keeps going, he says, if you had a chicken, he says, the chicken's for me. He says, a boat, a field, a coat to give to Mother Russia. Chicken, no. The kid says, listen, a field, a boat, and a coat, I don't have. Mother Russia could have it. My chicken is mine. Shkoich. You're not getting it. Okay? So when I, when I have nothing to offer you, you can have the whole thing. All of a sudden, I have something to offer. Uh, go jump in the lake. It's not happening. Yeah? So Ruvain says, I'm not benefiting from Shimon. And all of a sudden, he needs Shimon. Shimon has a chicken that he, that, that he needs. Shimon becomes a cipher. Shimon's writing Sifrei Torah, Kaviyochel, you know, Lahavdil. Lahavdil, not Kaviyochel. Lahavdil. Yeah? He's got mezuzahs. And Ruvain now, he wants to have a shaykhis with Shimon. Or... The, he's marrying off his son, and he wants this guy to come to the chasna. The Yomar, and he says, If I would have known that he was, became a scribe, or that there's going to be a wedding soon, I never would have made the vow. So this is all examples of something that is nailad, where something happened later on that didn't exist at the time of the vow. Rabbi Ezer says, you can use this new occurrence this new reality to remove the vow, to release the vow, but the Chum argue. They say, no, a new occurrence does not allow the, uh, allow the vow to be released. You should have thought about it before you spoke. You should have been Reyes and You should have foreseen that these things are possible. You never should have made it in the first place. The guy says, I'm never going into this house. <laughs> Guess what happens? It becomes the new house. It becomes the new shul. That house becomes the new shul. And he wants to go David a minion. He could say, if I would have known it's a shul, I never would have made the net. So, we know in these cases, both in the Rasha, in the first half of the Mishnah, which is dealing with a lack of respect to one's parents, or a lack of respect to Baruch Hu, the way of Tzadik adds in it. And in the Seifa, of the Mishnah, which deals with 
Nailad, something that uh, came about later on, the Rebeliezer allows it, and the Chachamim still forbid it. Okay. Here we go. Zok the Gemara. My ein nedarim. In the ratio of our Mishnah, Rav Tzadik says, the Chacham could say to him, hey, if you would have known it's going to bring a lack of Kvod Shemayim, would you have made the nether? And he says, never would have made the nether. That's enough to release him. Ask the, we said in the Mishnah, there wouldn't be Nadarim then. There wouldn't be. Ask the Gemara, why not? Why not? Why does it make it there's no Nadarim? Amr Abayabai says, Imkain ain't Nadarim nitarmi yafet. What's going to happen is, if we allow this to be a nullification of a vow, Nidarim are not going to ever be properly nullified. Okay? Never properly nullified. Because what's going to happen is, is what if somebody knows, this is the, the Chiddush that the Ran says, listen closely, this is a beautiful and powerful psychology. Abai is saying, let's say you go to a Chacham, you go to a Rabbi, you go to Rashiva, and you say, I have a vow. You go to somebody who his responsibility is to represent Hashem. That's his responsibility. See, I made a vow. And he says, if you would have known the chutzpah and the lack of chashivas, the disrespect that a vow has in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, would you have ever made the vow? What else are you going to say? Yeah? Of course you're going to say no. <laughs> you're talking to a rabbi. Of course you're going to say no. Says Abai, therefore we don't allow it to be a proper nullification. Because it's not, it's not a, a candy machine of nullifications here. It has to be real. And there's a chance this guy is only saying he wouldn't have made the vow. Because he's talking to a chacham. But Kenzine, it's still possible that maybe he still would have made the vow. Maybe he doesn't, he's not so concerned about the cover of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he's just saying it. That's a biased approach. Top of Amad Be'ez, Varav Amar Barav says, no. The issue of the Mishnah is not that it's not going to ultimately nullify it properly, but people aren't going to go to Chachamim to release the vows. Again, because, what are you going to say? He's agreeing with Abai Yisvarov. What are you going to say? Yeah, I don't care about Kfayt Shemayim. So, except Rav is saying the issue is people aren't going to come to nullify it at all. Tanam, we learned in the Mishnah, why Yechom Rebbe Le'ezer? B'davr Shbina Le'bein Av Le'imai, Shabbat 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 we're not going to allow the lack of Kvayt Shemayim to be a reason to nullify because then people aren't going to nullify properly. I get it. I get it why it has to make an impact on the relationship between him and his parents. Okay? However, but in the case of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kivan I'm sorry, in the case of Ava V'imai, let's say you have a child, the Ichatzifle, he has chutzpah. He has chutzpah. Meaning, we're dealing with a vow that impacts him and his parents. He says, my parents can never step foot in my house. That is disrespectful by definition to one's parents. If he had the chutzpah to make the initial vow, then even when he goes to a chacham, the chacham says, if you would have known that it was, would you have made the vow? 
and he says, I wouldn't have, we'll trust him. Because if he had enough chutzpah to say it, initially, then you would still have the chutzpah to keep it going. For the fact that you're letting us know that your mind wasn't in that place, maybe he made the vow because he didn't want his parents to bother themselves to come to his house. Maybe he made the vow unknowing the social standing and, and the impact it's going to have on his parents. So in the case of Abaye, Itaka makes an afkamina. It's sensible. It's sensible by parents. We should trust him. By Because he already showed us he has chutzpah, so he's not going to lie. El Rava, according to Rava's logic, the Omar, who says, The issue is people are going to stop going to Chachamim. Why by aim are we going to say, uh, you could remove, you could release the vow by it being a lack of respect to your parents? Maybe we'll say people will stop coming to the Chachamim. And maybe they'll release the vow without going to the Chacham. So our answers, for Rava Amri, they said, Since all other Nadarim need Chachamim, in order to release the vow, so too over here, we will find a Pesach, we will find an opening, which is to, um, we'll find an opening, which is asking him, if he would have known that it would have brought a lack of cover to his parents, would he have said it, and we will trust him, and we're not going to have any concern, that he's going to nullify the uh, the vow on his own, why? Because he already showed us, that he's he, he understands that vows are, in order to release a vow, it's connected to a chacham. Period, two dots. Okay, back to our Mishnah. The Mishnah had taught us, V'ayid Amar Rebeliezer, and furthermore, Rebeliezer says, Paischen b'noilad v'chulu, we do open up a vow, we'll find the Pesach, an opening for the guy, by something which is nolad, something that is that comes about later on. My taima de Rebeliezer, what is the reasoning for Rebeliezer who holds that Nailad, even when something comes about later, will allow the release of a vow? Here we go. Omar of Chista. Rev Chista says, the Omar Krosh, Taten Posuk. Posuk is in Sefer Shemais discussing Makadish um, Baruch Hu telling Maisha Rabbeinu to go back to Mitzrayim, to lead Klal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. The Omar Krosh says, Kimesu kol hanoshim. Go back to Mitzrayim because all the men have died. Who are these men that have died? Remember, Dosan and Aviram, the two brothers who tried to snitch to Paro to have Moshe killed after Moshe uttered the name of God and the Mitzri was killed. Yeah. And then the next day he sees Dosan and Aviram fighting. These two brothers are beating each other up. And he tells them, Rasha, Lamasak Esreyacha. It's even rishos, it's wicked for a Jew to even raise his hand to hit his friend. And they say, and they go and snitch to Parai. They say, what, are you going to tell Parai we're fighting against like Yasin? Now, interestingly, there's a lot of raid on this, a lot of tire on this. It, it was Aviram who, I believe it was Aviram, yeah, one of them, I believe it was Aviram, who Maish Rabbeinu saved from the Mitzvah. The Mitzvah was beating him up. But be it as it may, these guys were a thorn in Maish Rabbeinu's uh, sides. It says, Kimesu Kalanoshim. It says, um, go back to Mitzrayim because the people who want you to, to pass, who, who wanted to kill you have died. Okay. Now, did Dustin Aviram die? 
Did they die? We, we know they were around for a while. They were around for quite some time. Till Kairach, right? So let's get into this. Says the Gemara, Death is something new. But from here you see, Assuming that they died, that's the assumption right now, so something new can go and remove a vow. Okay, something, something that, uh, that's new could remove a vow. Fine. Now, what happened was that Maisha Rabbeinu, I just want to fill in the story over here. Maisha Rabbeinu swore, or swore, he took a vow to his father-in-law Yisro that he's not going to go back to Mitzrayim because... Uh, without Yisro's permission, because there were people who uh, were out to kill him. Okay, now part of the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu swore to Yisro is because he was scared of what's going to happen anyway. There were people in Mitzrayim who were going to turn him in, so he had a much easier time making the nether to Yisro. Hakadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, "Don't worry about your promise to your father-in-law. I'm instructing you to go back because the whole premise of your promise." was that you were scared of these guys. Now that these guys are dead, you're fine. You're not obligated in your promise. But the fact that they died was a new happening. So you see, a new happening allows for the release of a vow. That is the reasoning for Rebbe Yezer. Rebbe Yezer says, a new happening can release a vow from the story of Moshe going back to Mitzrayim. Beautiful. The Rabban on my time, the Rabban argued, they say no, a new happening does not release. No. Now, the obvious question is, what are they going to do? Argue on what the Torah says? It seems to imply from the Torah, Beliezer's proof seems to be pretty strong. Hashem tells Maisha, go back to Mitzrayim because they died. A new development, you're good. Zok to Gemara, Kasavri the Rabbanon hold, Hanhu mi Maisi. Who died? We're still around. They're still around. <laughs> we know that. It says Nitzavim, and every time it says Nitzavim, it's referring to Dasan Aviram. So, what does it mean? Who died now? So, now the question is Hashem's telling Moshe somebody died. So, he should go back. Did they die or did they not die? Listen to this. Amar Rishlakish. Rishlakish says they didn't physically die. Sheyardu Minischem. They lost their money. They became poor. And by being poor, it was similar to death. Why? As long as they were wealthy and they were big names. So they were able to walk into Paro's place and be a threat. Hashem's telling Moshe they died. What do you mean they died? They didn't physically die. They were around for a while. Like we said. But they lost their... They, they, they became incredibly poor. And since a poor person is like a mace... So, um, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, used this expression of death. Now, where does this come from? Om Rabbi Shua ben Levi. Rabbi Shua ben Levi says. Huh? Oh, so we're about to say what you're saying. We're about to say what you're saying. Beautiful. So now, before we begin, what, what Rabbi El is leading us on to, is why is it that a poor person is Chashuv Kameis? What does that mean? So we have to understand that death... What death is, it's a loss of the ability to have an impact in other ways. Okay? 
you can you can have the death of a company. You could have the death of a person's finances. You could we're, we're going to see soon, like Rabiel saying, when a person a Misha in Lebanon, when a person doesn't have the ability to have a physical children to perpetuate them, also there's a lack of ability. That's what death. What death is is life is ability. Death means I don't have the ability right now. Now, sometimes it goes, Baruch gives us abilities in different ways. People will have children, people won't have children. Some people will have money, people won't have money. People won't. doesn't mean that you're not worth living or that your life's not valuable. What it means in that way, in a financial way, that's not where your vibrancy is going to come from. In a way of family, that's not where your vibrancy is going to come from. It's going to come in different ways. And so let's get into this. Amr B'Shuvah Levi, Kol Adam She'in Le'banim Choshev Kameis. A person doesn't have children, Choshev Kameis. He's not going to have that, that vibrancy within the context of family. Shedem Reza says, Havali Banim, Ve'emayin Meisa Anaychi. Okay. This is Rachel. Rachel Imenu. She's asking Yaakov Avinu for children. And she says... I, yeah, she says, I need you to daven for me. I need to have my children, Yosef and Benyamin. There are four categories of people while they're alive that to an extent, in a certain way, they're chashuv kameis. Ani, a poor person, as we said. Why? Because you don't have the ability financially to have an impact. Umitzaira, also, because a Mitzaira is sent outside the camp and he can't socially have an impact. See, he's also Chashuv Kames. Visuma, and a blind person. A person who's blind cannot have an impact with sharing with others the, the sights and sounds of what's going on around him. Umisha in Laibanim, and like we explained before, a person who does not have children like Rach. Ani, how do you know this is true by a poor person? It says, The Pasuk that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Maisha, Dos and Aviram are now poor. They're dead, they're poor. So you can go back to Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, how do you know Mitzrayim is also Chashu Kameis? It says this about Miriam, Alna Tehi Kameis. Do not be like a mace. Okay. Which is that Maisha Rabbeinu is davening for Miriam, because Avram asked, because Aaron, his brother, asked him to daven that Miriam shouldn't be like a dead person, because she had saras. So Aaron tells Moshe to daven for his sister. Besuma, tachsev b'machashakim haishiani haishivani ki meisei oylam. In in chayshech in darkness, haishivani he sat with me ki meisei oylam like the the dead ones in the world. Okay. Person is living within darkness. That story of Rachel Imenu. And therefore, the Gemara is saying like this. The Gemara is saying, we tried bring a raya to Rebbe Leazar, that if you have something that's nightlad, something that develops later on, you can find an opening to the vow because that's what Hashem did for Maisha. To which the Chachamim respond, no, no, no. Let me explain. The Misa does not mean literal death. It's not what it means. They didn't actually die. Rather, it's like Reish Lakish who says they lost their possessions. But to, can you nullify a vow based upon somebody's actual death later on? No. 
you don't see that. And therefore, you have no proof that when something's nailad, when something happens later on, that it's still, uh, you know, it's still, uh, uh, it still gives you the ability to remove vows. So that explains the Machleik Espetin, Rebbe Liazra, and the Chachamim concerning Nailad. And we're going to hold it here for today. I just want to uh, throw in something very interesting, and that is, you know, about these Arba Choshev Kameis. These four people are not literally dead. They're all alive. In, in different ways, they have death in that part of what they're able to do. We'll, we get that. There's two other types of death. One is physical death, and one is spiritual death. Interesting. You have four deaths that we listed here in the Gemara. Then you have physical death, and you have spiritual death. So there's actually six types of death that are listed in Chazal. That Chazal list. Now listen to this. The second bracha of Shemayin Esrei that talks about Mechaye Mason. That Hashem gives life to those who are dead. Mechaye Mason. Because bracha has the Kayach. To be Mechaye Mason. So let's go through the bracha. Atah Gibra Lelam Hashem. Mechaye Mason. Atah. Mechalka Chayim Bechesed. Mechaye Mason. Look at my fingers. That's the second time. Number three. It's beautiful. Six times in the bracha of Mechayim Mesim do we list Mechayim Mesim. So the Swaram say it refers to these six types of death. That a person can encounter and HaKadosh Baruch Hu can bring an end to. HaKadosh Baruch Hu can help heal. We have to daven for these things. Number one, physical death. Number two is spiritual death. Number three is Banim. Number four is Anius. Number five is Mitzayra. And number six is Suma. You have the six times that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Bechayim referring to these four plus the physical and the spiritual. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. And Be'ezra Hashem. We will pick up from Tanya tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Zaygebems, everybody. Yeah, bokhti. Bokhti, bokhti.